Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hello and welcome to Out of Office. I'm your host, Malika Kapoor. If you've been stressed, anxious, felt a little down and out this year because of the pandemic, the US election, or any other reason, perhaps you may have heard this calming voice. So wherever you are right now, I'd just like you to just take a moment to get comfortable. This is the voice of Andy Parikom the co-founder of Headspace, an app for meditation and mindful living that has more than 65 million users around the world. Andy is a former Buddhist monk who's on a mission to demystify meditation and make it available and accessible to everyone. We talked about a life-changing experience that set him off on this path. A drunk driver lost control and crashed into, into the group and Yeah, I was very fortunate. I didn't get hit, but several people lost their lives that night. The years spent training to be a monk. When I look back, the the thing that stays with me is the sense of simplicity. Every day is the same. You do your meditation. And that's a really, it's just a really beautiful way to kind of live, live life. The qualities he values as a business leader. Showing up as a business leader and caring about the people on the team. I can't think of a more important thing than that. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want to work in a business that didn't prioritize that. And I asked him, does he ever get angry? Do I get angry? Yes. Yeah, I have a three and six year old child. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There's a lot more in this relaxed, freewheeling chat with Andy. So take a few moments, get comfortable and join us. Andy, welcome to Out of Office. Thank you. Andy, 2020 has been a rough year for a lot of people. And I'm curious, what's it been like for you? You represent everything that's calm and mindful and peaceful in the world. <laughs> what's this crazy year been like for you? Yeah, I think this, this year has been, I mean, it's like no other I can remember. Um, and I think it's been incredibly difficult for, for everyone. You know, I think I think our circumstances and our environments inevitably affect how difficult it's been. And I'm in a very fortunate position. You know, I, I live in a, a place, you know, I'm in, in California. It's a lovely place to live. We have a lot of outdoors. So even, you know, when we've been in lockdown, there's still the ability to be outside very often. And my job is safe and all the other things. I, you know, a lot of people around the country, around the world right now, I know are struggling with, you know, whether it's trying to hold on to their accommodation at home, kind of keep their job safe, their business safe. So in many ways, as a family, uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. I think, like most people, there's been, you know, challenges, whether it's homeschooling, trying to entertain two very energetic young boys at home um, for the last eight months and the schools still aren't open here. How old are your kids? They're, um, they're, they're three and six years old. Okay, so now I know what you mean. You've got your hands full. Yeah, so I mean, you know, but and obviously with the team as well, you know, we've gone from being a team with multiple offices around the world to 
you know, everybody working at home and like most businesses, learning how to be productive whilst being remote and also how to look after the team and make sure that people feel comfortable working from home, safe from working from home and, and also kind of enjoying the experience still. So lots of lots of challenges for sure. You have a very unique window into what people are feeling. You know, you can tell by what uh, meditations, um, guided meditations they're downloading from Headspace. Is there anything that's surprised you? I would imagine people are downloading the, the meditation for anxiety and stress. But is there any, anything that you've learned about people that surprised you this year? First of all, you imagine, right, the um, stress, stress, anxiety and sleep. Um, it's interesting, actually, and I think this is really important. So although this year is exceptional in many ways, I think what it's done is highlight sort of the fundamentals, sort of challenges of the human condition anyway. If I look back over the last 10 years, the top 10 packs or courses on, on the app are stress, anxiety, and sleep. Those three things are, they, they've increased the most over the last year. So I think just typically, generally in life, those things, you know, are, are perhaps what challenge us most. Uh, we saw in the initial phase of, of COVID, on some of the stress content, it leaked as much as uh, sort of a thousand percent on some of the, the, the media starts in the stress content in that yeah. first month. But just generally, we've seen, I think it's about a 20 or 30% increase in those types of content. And we've also, the other thing that surprised me is the increase in, um, in buddies. So there's the option on the app to sort of have, have a sense of community and people supporting you and you supporting them. And we've seen a massive increase in people sort of looking for increased sense of community and support. And the final final thing is, um, is worth mentioning is sort of companies as well. You know, I mentioned the challenges that we've had at Headspace. It's the same around the world. And, and I, think, I think we're over 500% now kind of increasing companies reaching out saying, hey, we're struggling. Our our teams are struggling. Sort of, can you can you help us in in that respect? So I think, in some ways, as I say, it's in some ways it's different. It's a different year, but in many ways, it just magnifies. I think many of the things that we're often challenged by in life. How did you get into your own personal meditation journey? What was the trigger for that? So I got my I got my mum to thank for that. I was 10, 11 years old. And um, my mum started going to a meditation centre. She was dealing with her stuff in life that was going on at the time, a, a divorce and some other stuff. And yeah, we started going along kind of with her. And, and I think, although I didn't keep it up throughout my teens, it really, it made a mark for the few years that we did do it. And it meant that when I faced my own challenges kind of later, uh, later in my, my teens and early 20s, um, losing a couple of sort of friends and my stepsister as well at a very sort of early age. Um, it seemed like a natural thing to to pursue. Yeah, I guess my journey into meditation sort of in earnest began in my early early twenties, sort of becoming a sort of heading off to become a, a Buddhist monk. And I believe you headed off to find solace in the Himalayas, in the mountains, in India, at a monastery after you lost some friends in a car accident. Is that right? Yeah, I was in a um I was in a group of a group there were a group of us. It was Christmas Christmas morning. Um we'd been at a party and we just sort of came out of the club and we were on a on a sidewalk and a, a drunk driver lost control and crashed into into the group. And yeah, I was very fortunate. I didn't I didn't get hit, but 
yeah, several people lost their lives that night, and most of the group actually ended up in in intensive care. Um, but I think for me that was a real kind of turning point. It made me question. It took a little while, I think, to sink in, but it made me question. You know what I was going to do with my life. What gave me a sense of purpose and fulfillment, and it unquestionably changed the the direction of my life. Thankfully, in a very positive way. You know. But I mean, an event like that would, of course, it's absolutely a life-changing experience. And you ended up then going to a monastery in India. It was India, right? Yeah. First, first stop was was India, and then I um, and then I sort of became a novice monk in the Burmese tradition. Um, and eventually, I came back to India um, and, and ordained in the Tibetan tradition in northern India. And what was that experience like? What was, you know, the years of training? What was the most rewarding part? What was the most challenging part? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Almost it almost feels like a, a different a different world now. When I look back at <laughs> the, the just that experience of living that that yeah. world, you know, I feel I feel so fortunate to have even had the response the the opportunity. I think it's rare in life to find. That time in life where maybe you don't have necessarily a career or a partner or children, and so I, I feel very fortunate to have found it when when I did. When I look back, the the thing that stays with me is the sense of simplicity and ease. Sure. You know, there's no decisions to make. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. You know, you you wake up in the morning, every day is the same. You do your meditation. You know, you encourage the mind to do it with a sense of compassion and empathy, and a sense of doing it for others, not for oneself. And and that's a really, it's just a really beautiful way to kind of live live life, you know. But it's also really challenging. I think I, I went with the idea, a very naive idea, that you know, I just sit there and it would be magical and blissful, and you know, my mind would be very peaceful. And the reality is. It's really hard to sit with ourselves, you know, especially oh, yeah. <laughs> every day for long periods of time, you know. So just kind of getting comfortable with the mind as it is, that took quite some time and, and sort of developing a sense of stability in that as well. Because I think even if we do little bits of meditation, sometimes we get the benefit, but we don't necessarily feel the stability of that throughout the day, um, oh. every day, you know. So I feel like, yeah, sort of, the hardest bit was finding stability. The most pleasurable bit was just the simplicity and, and the ease of it and being surrounded by people with a very similar kind of intention as well. It's a big thing. And when you went in there, did you think that this was it, that you were going to devote your life? I did. Yeah. I really did. I thought I, thought I was going to do it for life. To begin with, I, you know, I think it was... It was naivety that drove that sort of thinking. I just didn't even really know what I was doing, to be honest. You know, I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know what that entailed and the implications of it. And then I think as time went on and I understood the journey a bit better and I just assumed I would do it for life. Eventually, I, I actually couldn't decide. You know, so I, I went to my teacher and I was taking ordination for, um, in this particular tradition, you do it for three years, five years or life when you take sort of a new commitment. And I was choosing between three years and life. And he said, so which would you like to do? You know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> big, big decision, big day. And I said, um, I'd actually feel more comfortable if, if you decide for me. I really trusted him. You know, I, yeah. 
very wise teacher. And, um, and, and he said, oh, this time, I think maybe let's, let's do three years, let's, you know, and, and, and we'll, see, we'll see where we are afterwards. Do you ever go yeah. back and visit? Have you been back? Yeah, I, I was actually back there just at the start. It was before sort of COVID became a sort of, I guess, a thing in, in America. It was around in the news, but it hadn't really. And we were actually in, in India as a, as a team. There were a few of us doing some filming over there. We went back to, the, to my old monastery and um, met with the teachers. And, and one of my Tibetan lamas as well, he, he came out and spent some time with the entire team here in L.A. about three years ago. But then once you decided to leave, you ended up eventually in Silicon Valley with this idea to bring meditation to the masses. Yeah. So how did that happen? Yes, exactly. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure. It, it, was, it was all very organic. You know, I, I would, I'd love to claim sort of that I, I knew what I was doing and <laughs> um, it was all thought out. I just I wanted to find a way of sharing what I'd learned. And I met very early on after leaving the monastery, I met the co-founder of Headspace, um, now, now a very dear friend, Rich Pearson. Mm-hmm. You know, we just talked about kind of what that could look like. And, and Rich had a good understanding of creative and technology. And um, after a couple of years, we you know, moved from events into, into the app. And it just took off. I think it caught a time, you know, we were, on the one hand, we've been part of building that conversation. But also, I think we were the recipients of many decades of science that had gone into mindfulness and of just a time, really, a cultural time where people were fe- starting to feel increasingly overwhelmed, increasingly stressed and looking for some kind of intervention. So I feel it was just one of those things. It was timing and I think an intention to sort of improve, improve the health and happiness of the world. I think you demystified meditation. Hopefully we've been part of that. That was always our idea. That was our initial kind of, you know, it was a, if we had to explain this to our friends in the pub back in England, how would we do it? Right. And, you know, how would we have liked to have been explained it like back in the day, you know? And so we've just done it from, from that perspective. And full disclosure, I use Headspace. I've been using it for a while. And the reason I use it is because you've just made it easy. It's also, there's no judgment. And I love when you say, you know, there's no such thing as a bad meditation. If you just sit down and meditate, you're doing it. Yeah. And that's really true, by the way. I'm not just, just to be clear, I'm not <laughs> just saying that. Like, that is actually true. You know, I think it's so, there are so many misconceptions around meditation. And so many of those misconceptions either prevent us from sitting down and doing it or trying it or prevent us from continuing when it's sort of difficult or challenging. And I ain't just knowing that it's okay. The mind is going to think. We don't have to try and stop the thoughts. And it's okay to begin with. Of course, we're going to get distracted a lot. And over time, maybe, yes, yeah, sometimes we fall asleep. Maybe we get distracted. It's all part of training the mind. And there isn't a right or a wrong. There's just showing up, you know, and seeing what the experience is of the mind each day. And, and I, I hope that that gives people a sense of freedom and a, a greater willingness to, to actually try The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, you are the face and definitely the voice of Headspace. All the meditations have your... Better or worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so like me, I think, you know, there are hundreds and thousands of people around the world who wake up to your voice and go to sleep listening to your voice. Have you heard any funny stories or interesting feedback about, about that? About <laughs> It always surprises me. You know, we know. I don't know what we're up to. It's like... 65, 70 million people something have downloaded the app. So conceptually, I, I understand that a lot of people have used it, but it still doesn't kind of connect for me. So I'm always surprised when I meet a lot of people kind of out and about. Sometimes they recognize the voice or sometimes they recognize kind of me. And it always still sort of surprises me. I was at the dentist the other day, actually. I was, I was in the chair. It was a new, it was a new dentist that joined the practice. And um, she said... We were just chatting as she was getting sort of stuff ready. And she said, oh, she said, you know, I don't know what it is. I feel so relaxed when, when you speak. And <laughs> no, normally when someone says that, I know that they use Headspace, but they just haven't they made, made the connection. <laughs> exactly. So we, <laughs> you never want a dentist to feel too relaxed when they're holding <laughs> no. really in your mouth, you know. So, but anyway, we, we, we kind of got talking. And that happens kind of quite often. I'll be in either, you know, a restaurant or an airport or something. And, and people will kind of say, oh, that voice. I know that voice from somewhere. <laughs> it's probably it's You've been invited to speak um, at so many events around the world. I know CEOs regularly invite you for conversations with them. I know President uh, Obama had invited you to speak as well. You know, you're quite the celebrity yourself, Andy. Yeah, I don't, I don't really buy into that stuff. You're very well known. Let's put it that way. You're really well known. Yeah. How does the idea of fame and celebrity sit with you? Yeah, I just... I don't really, I'm not sure I really understand it. I definitely don't relate to it. I mean, I have the strangest job in a way. I mean, I, I turn up and I sit in, I sit in a, a very small, dark room on my own talking to myself into a microphone. You know? So I'm, I'm definitely not a kind of out and about. And, and my life is, is so far removed from, I think, what most people would think of as celebrity culture. I go to bed embarrassingly early in the evening. What time do you go to bed? How early is embarrassingly if I, early? If I no, if I can, I mean, you know, like nine, nine thirty. I get up at about four thirty in the morning. We live a very sort of simple, kind of quite probably for a lot of people, quite boring sort of life. But for us, it works really well. Although we live in in LA, and you know, there's a culture of celebrity here. Um, it's definitely not something I aspire to, or really would even kind of want to um, ever ever be part of. So I just kind of. You know, I, I try and do what we do in as, as quiet a way as possible. It's just that there are aspects of this job which really, if we want to get meditation out to as many people as possible, if the producers of Jimmy Fallon phone up and say, hey, do you want to come on the show? Like, that's a, a massive, massive opportunity to introduce it to a new audience of people. So it's, it's a strange kind of, yeah, strange thing. On the one hand, it's really actually beneficial and very kind of useful. 
Um, and on the other, on a personal level, um, yeah, it's not something that I'm, <laughs> I'm particularly interested in. So you wake up really early, 4, 4.30 in the morning, and then what's your morning routine like? I mean, do you have a dedicated time, a set time every day to meditate? I do. I try and, I try and do it first thing in the morning. Um, I like to, I actually, I, I like to exercise kind of first um, and then do, some, then do some meditation. Are you a runner? Um, You're a runner, right? I, I run a little bit. I, I cycle a little bit. I surf a little bit. For me, there's a really big connection. Prior to being a monk, I was, you know, very heavily involved in sports. So there's always been that sense of connection between body and mind. And so I, I like to start the day sort of moving my body and sort of stilling, stilling my mind. Um, and those, those two things are, are really helpful. Andy, as a business leader, and you are a business leader now. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not sure? <laughs> Okay, you run a successful business now. <laughs> what is what is the most important quality you think a business leader needs to have? The first thing that comes to mind is is empathy and mm-hmm. and compassion. And and I don't think a lot of people I think misidentify that with sort of a you know, as a soft skill, as something it's like a nice to have. I genuinely believe that if you're running a business genuinely kind of with the desire not only to deliver on whatever the products or, or services, but also to ensure that the entire team is healthy, they're happy, they're fulfilled, they, you know, enjoy that then the team will be successful and the mission will be successful. And so it's a sort of self-fulfilling thing. It's it's not necessary to be compassionate so that it is successful, but I just think showing up as a business leader and caring about the people on the team. I can't think of a more important thing than that. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want to work in a business that didn't prioritize that. And success means different things to different people and to different companies. So two questions, you know, what would what would it take for you to sit back and say, okay, Headspace is a success. That's one. And what does success mean to you personally? Yeah. It's funny you say that. Actually, I was thinking of um, we were having a conversation yesterday, um, you know, sort of amongst the board. And I don't know what stage I would think that Headspace is a success. I mean, I'm delighted that we've reached as many people as we have and that we have the potential to reach so many more and what the team has achieved. I feel very proud of what the team has achieved. But from a, a personal perspective, I, you know, the, the vision is to improve the health and happiness of the world. And that's a kind of never ending vision. So I feel when I get an, an email in and it's from someone and it's genuinely changed their lives, it's really, really meaningful. Um, and in that way, it's shifted the health and happiness of that individual. But there will always be more people who are struggling. There will always be more people who are stressed and there will always be more people who could benefit from meditation. So in that sense, I'm not sure I will ever kind of feel, I don't think I'll feel completely sort of con- content in that way until it's reached everybody who could benefit from it and then from a personal point of view i don't know if there's a difference between for me i don't know if there's a difference between the two i don't really massively relate to the idea of success and failure as it's sort of defined i think um, by most people i i just feel like showing up every day in life and some days things go as I would like them to as I've imagined them to and as I hope they would other days they don't at all 
And and I don't see that as sort of good and bad success and failure. I think if you watch the mind enough and you're able to witness the mind with a sense of, you know, non-bias, non-judgment, non-expectation, then over time that sort of bleeds into life. And in the same way, kind of when life doesn't go as we'd like it to, we don't necessarily struggle and resist or try and work out what went wrong. There's more a sense of, huh, that's interesting. Okay, and then we just sort of carry on. So kind of being more present rather than sort of thinking about sort of what was what was good and what was bad and what was right and what was wrong. Do you ever get irritated? Do you ever get angry? Do I get angry? Yes. Yeah, I have a three and six year old child. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, I um, funny enough actually, when it was much harder when they were um, the older one is particularly mischievous. Um, <laughs> When he was sort of two, three, four, I felt like he was just continually poking me. And my, <laughs> my Tibetan teacher was very happy. You know, he was kind of great. You're like, this is good, good teaching for you now. <laughs> and I remember, I remember one day I was in the supermarket and, um, and he was following me. And he put his hand out and there were lots of jars of honey, right. um, glass jars of honey. And he literally just, just pulled them all off the shelf. <laughs> and I, I turned around and... A number of things had happened that day building up to this point. And I was just about to kind of let go of him. And somebody actually came up to me in the aisle and said, excuse me, are you Andy? The, like, at that precise moment, <laughs> just as I was about to let rip on my, on my son, it was, it, was a, it was an interesting moment because it reminded me that actually you don't have to follow through with that anger. You don't have to engage in it. It's possible to kind of go oh, and step out of it. So um, the short answer is, is, is yes, of course. And I think it's human. And I would encourage anyone who meditates to be really kind of gentle with themselves, kind to their, their selves, knowing that being a human being is really complicated. The mind is just because we meditate doesn't mean that all of a sudden all of our difficult emotions and thoughts disappear. It just means that we have created the time to get comfortable with those thoughts, to get comfortable with those emotions. So we're less reactive so that we are less likely to follow through with those old sort of patterns and, and habits. Yeah. Fantastic. Andy, thank you so much for your time. And I'm truly excited we've got a chance to talk to you and I've got to see the face behind the voice. <laughs> thanks, Monique. And thanks, thanks again for having me on the, on the show. It's really nice to meet you. That was the co-founder and the voice of Headspace, Andy Purikom. I hope you enjoyed it. I clearly did. This episode was produced by Jordan Gaspare. Remember, you can find more episodes of Out of Office on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com. We're also on Twitter. Our handle is simply at podcasts. You can also look up at Headspace on Twitter and you can always tweet me on at this is Malika. I'd love to hear from you. I'll be back next week with another episode of Out of Office. Till then, stay safe, stay calm, and thank you for listening. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.